here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Opinions, the panel. Ten twenty-three here on SENZ, and we've got Aidan McLaughlin and Lavina Good on the panel this morning. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of a fine, finally, Havelock North. Uh, Aidan, good morning to you. Uh, the Women's uh, Rugby World Cup is just a matter of days away. What are your expectations? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Lavina. Um, I'm, I'm starting to get really excited about it, actually. Um, it's, and I think it's just starting to build momentum as well in terms of uh, attention and eyes on it. Uh, I think the... The crowd numbers for that first uh, set of fixtures at Eden Park on Saturday are building nicely. I think they're over 30,000 now, and um, hopefully there'll be some more sales over the next few days. Uh, and in terms of the Blackburn's chances, I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, they've come a long way in the last nine, ten months. Um, they were pretty low ebb when they were on that European tour at the end of last year, made some pretty uh, significant changes to both coaching staff and uh playing personnel. So, so yeah, I'm feeling relatively optimistic, Smithy, and looking forward to it. Yeah, they've been tracking well. I think it's fair to say they've been tracking well, but uh, now cometh the hour, I think, because they're going to come up against sides that um, have uh, given them a, a bit of a lesson. Uh, of course, France and England, that's later on in the competition, but they open against Australia uh, this weekend. Uh, Lavina Good at Eden Park, and it's uh, looking like maybe in excess of 35,000 people for the first uh, triple header of the Women's World Cup. Incredible. Incredible for women's sport. Such a statement to be made. Um, you can promote a sport as much as you want, but it's about getting bums on seats. And if the fans are willing to turn up and rewrite the history books for women's rugby, I just think that is absolutely outstanding. It will showcase some of the best women's rugby players in all of the world. And the New Zealanders have an opportunity to prove that they are the best of the best. And first up, it's against Australia. I know we're all talking about England and France and um, how difficult that's going to be. But let's first of all, I guess, just get this first one out of the way and reward the fans for turning up. I'm pumped about the tournament. I know so many other people are as well. I know people coming from all over the Mutu, all over the country, to come and support uh, the Wahini in their finest form. So I just think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. And once again, New Zealand gets an opportunity to, to host it and show that we can have the best players in the world and we can hold tournaments that will make a difference globally. So I'm really, really pumped for it. Yeah, I am too, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to it. I've got no personal involvement in it. I'm just going to be sitting uh, as a fan. Uh, I spoke to uh, very briefly uh, to Wayne Smith after um, the performance against Japan, and he walked up the tunnel and said, man, I did not see that coming. I simply did not see that coming, and that was an absolute uh, hiding of Japan. So... Uh, the, the signs are good, but they're going to have to mix it up front at some stage, and that'll be, I think, where the question mark is. Uh, Lavina, can I stay yeah, with you, please? Hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really, just, quick, just quickly, before we move on from Wayne Smith, I think I kind of gave a, 
a legitimate apology a few months ago. I had the opportunity to interview him shortly after he was selected as coach and I was critical initially that they hadn't gone for maybe other options for people that were involved in rugby for a little bit longer, not a retiree that was hanging out in, in, in Waihe and Waihe Beach. And I talked to him about that and said, were you the right man for the job? And he said to me, honestly, he goes, I don't know if I was the right man for the job, but you have to ask, ask the players that I'm representing. And I went to every single one of those players that he's in charge of. And they said culturally, emotionally, uh, in terms of the physicality of the sport, he is 100% the right person for that job to take them to the next level. And it's been tumultuous for that women's rugby team over the past 12 months, what happened in England and, and the changing of the guard and, and dissension between players. But every single one of those players competing this weekend in this tournament told me that he is the right man for the job and he has an ability to read the game of rugby like no one else and to get the best rugby out of any player. And that might be an all-black or that might be a Chiefs player or that might actually be a female rugby player. So they've, got, they've certainly got the backing of the team when it comes to the coaching staff. And it will be an interesting tournament to see how Wayne Smith holds up. But certainly I take my hat off to him and also to New Zealand Rugby for picking the right man for the job to take them all the way in the tournament. Yep, I, I think he he was a man for a crisis and they certainly were at that point uh, when he was appointed. So it was crisis mode. It seems such a long time ago uh, because they've been smooth sailing pretty much ever since, Lavina. Uh, not quite so smooth sailing for your uh, beloved Eels the other night. They just couldn't get into it. Killing me. You're killing me. I've been in hibernation ever since. This is my first ever appearance since the grand final completed. I've just been in the dungeon with a box of hazy IPAs drowning my sorrows. Nah, only joking. Um, the thing is, Parramatta had an opportunity to, to beat the Penrith Panthers. All they needed to do was um, start on fire and stop the Panthers moving up the line. And the line speed from those Penrith Panthers in that first 40 minutes was phenomenal. It was beautiful to watch. It didn't matter which team you supported. It was rugby league in its finest form. little disappointed that those Panthers players didn't put in that same performance in the third state of origin, which is exactly what they needed to do against Queensland, but they managed to do it on grand final night. And Parramatta were on the back foot from the go, uh, go forward, back foot from the very first kickoff. That line speed and defence from the Panthers was second to none. And it's all testament. You can't say to Ivan Cleary, but I remember when he left the Warriors and I had a chat with him after years of being at the Warriors. And I'm like, why are you going? And he goes, well, I want a three-year plan. I don't just want another one-year plan. And he'd been at the Warriors for four years. And I said, well... Where are you going to get that? And he said, I really like the development program that we've got at the Panthers at the moment. And he said, I like what they're doing. They're keeping all their young players. They're making sure that they don't lose them. And unfortunately, we lose all of our young players at the Warriors to all the other NRL teams. And he said, that, that'll be a club of the future. I would like to have an affiliation with them. And as we go forward another eight years, he's been in three grand finals, won two premierships and is the father of what they say is the greatest rugby league footballer this year, playing in that number seven jersey. So hats off to the Panthers. They, they had to earn it. They put in their best performance all year against the Parramatta Eels, and the Eels were absolutely shell-shocked. They couldn't do anything about it, Smitty. It unravelled before my eyes. Yeah, it did unravel. Um, you know, and a lot of people say it wasn't a classic NRL final, Aiden, because it was so one-sided, but... If you look at the uh, top echelon of sport, the biggest occasions in sport, you want to see the game played well. Um, and OK, only one side were able to play well because they didn't let the other side compete in, in that regard. But 
I thought it was a terrific spectacle because if I was uh, if I was a fringe fan of rugby league and I wanted to know how it was played and see how it was played well, I got my lesson in the NRL final and I got it because uh, the Penrith Panthers were outstanding uh, for most of the year. They were, and as Lavina said, they they also saved their best performance of the year until when it really really mattered. So. Um, they had a great season, um, but then the ability to be able to peak for the key match of the year is just, that's what great teams do, isn't it? You know, we, we talked earlier this year about uh, the Australian uh, women's cricket team. Wonderful team, play well all the time, but then when it comes to the business end, these are the teams that step forward and really, really show what they're made of. Uh, and I, I just thought it was... A, as you say, it wasn't uh, on the scoreboard. It certainly wasn't competitive, um, but it was a, it was such a great performance by the Panthers um, that you just kind of sat there and thought, well, that's two. How far can this team take it? Yeah, I'm not quite sure, um, but uh, you, if there's an early market, you'd be on them again for next year at this point. Uh, it is 10.31 here on SCNZ. We'll take a short break for uh, a news, and then we will come back. There's much more league to talk about. Uh, because there's international squads being named left, right and centre at the moment, including ours and the Aussies. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Lavina Good and uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, with us this morning. And uh, Lavina, Mel Meninga a little while ago was complaining about the fact that uh, too many of his possible players for his side uh, are playing for Pacific Nations countries in the World Cup. Uh, boo-hoo to you, Mel. And then you go and leave out Nico Hines, the Dally M winner, uh, Dylan Edwards, the Clive Churchill medal winner, and Damien Cook. You don't want them. So surely, Mel, you were talking some nonsense at that time. There's some good players playing for other countries. I know that. If you want to put some money on like Samoa or Fiji, there's certainly some players there in the NRL Grand Final. And they can all feature and, and give you something to get excited about if you're a rugby league fan representing those specific countries. But yeah, I, I'm a little perplexed actually, uh, Aidan and Smitty, when it comes to uh, Meninga's choice um, and inexperienced side. I get, I mean, I, I saw an interview with him yesterday and they were talking to him about Dylan Edwards, who's been remarkable in that full fullback uh, role for the Penrith Panthers and, and probably the best fullback in the competition. But the captain of the Australian side is Teddy Tedesco. And, he was also captain of the New South Wales side and he's the best fullback in the world. So there's a little bit of justification there. To leave Nico Hines out is really interesting. He wasn't just the halfback of the year for Dallium, he was the player of the year. So he was regarded from rugby league commentators and pundits from all over uh, Australia and New Zealand to be the best player in the competition, but he's not good enough to don a green and gold jersey for Mal Meninga. And I'm thinking, who does he have a backup? You know, who, who's going to be the backup for Nathan Cleary? Is it going to be Daly Cherry Evans, or is he going to play the number six, or will Munster play the number six? So there's not really a backup halfback unless he's thinking Ben Hunt can do the job, but I'm assuming he's the backup hooker. So there's some really interesting decisions that have been made that might come back to haunt Mal Meninga, especially when you take a look at the lineup from some of these other teams that are looking very, very strong when it comes to the World Cup. But Mal Meninga is a, a, a decisive man. He doesn't really go to a selection panel when it comes to a selection process. When they asked him to be Australian coach, he said, I want to have authority and autonomy over what side I pick. 
so it doesn't necessarily go to a selection panel. It comes down to who Mal loves and who he wants, and he's picked a side that he believes can move forward and try and defend that title from 2017, but it's a very inexperienced side, and it does lack some punch when you take a look at who is left out, who is included, and who's playing for other countries. Okay, uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, is with us as well. Aidan, uh, of course, uh, the Rugby League World Cup is uh, on our doorstep as well. It's uh, in the UK, and we, we tend to focus so much on uh, the players that we know so well down under. Uh, but what about, um, is, it, is it possible that um, England could win it? Is it possible that um, a team basically out of the Super League could win the World Cup at home? It's possible. Um, but I don't think they will. I think it will be between the Kangaroos and the Kiwis, to be honest with you. Um, the problem, for as long back as I can remember, uh, probably 30, 35 years now, is that the the, the Super League, um, it, it produces good players, but when it gets to that international elite level, they just fall a little bit short, and it's... Um, I don't really see anything up there at the moment that leads me to leave, leads me to believe that they're going to go that extra step and that they can actually just get past the kangaroos or the kiwis when it really comes down to the, a World Cup semi-final or final. Um, <laughs> they're just not quite there. And to me, when you look at the kangaroos in particular, Mel Meninga has an absolute embarrassment of riches there. Um, you know, to be able to leave out Hines, Edwards, Cook and, and say, look, guys, you're on standby. You know, I might need you. If there's some injuries, are you, you know, you're ready to go. Uh, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, there's 13 new names in that 24-man squad for the Kangaroos. Um, and they've only got five players left from the, the, the win in 2017. Um, and let's not forget as well that James Tedesco didn't actually play for Australia in the last World Cup. He played for Italy. Um, so it's amazing to think that the, the best fullback in the world is making his World Cup debut for the Kangaroos as captain now. But no, I, th- I think England a little bit short. Um, for me, I- I'd be putting all the, the, the chips on the Kangaroos right now. Yeah, across uh, Lavina, across the board, when you look at the Pacific Island nations, Australia, whatever, um, and New Zealand in particular, um, only one warrior in the Kiwi squad and only four across uh, Tonga um, across, uh, and the other nations. Uh, is that a true indication where you think the Warriors are at, a reflection of the Warriors as such? Yeah, it's been tough year for the Warriors, let's be honest. They're always just trying to get into to that top eight. I think with um, Andrew Webster coming over, who's the attacking coach for the Penrith Panthers, there'll be a, a new mindset. Hopefully they come with the theory that let's not just get into the top eight to reward the fans this year. Let's try and develop some uh, a policy in place where we can retain players from starting off at 16 years of age with the Roosters and, and Manly and we can keep them in New Zealand, develop them, make them proud and make them want to don a Kiwis jersey and also play for the Warriors. And to do that, it's not about getting in the top eight. It's about a plan, a six-year plan like they did at the Panthers to, to be premiers in six years' time. So hopefully that mindset will take place and the Warriors fans will forgive them. They usually forgive them for just about anything, so it won't really be an issue if in five years' time they're awarded uh, for a premiership. I- I'm a little um, yeah, I'm a little interested in Maguire's team as well. I noticed he left out Sean Johnson and a lot of Sean Johnson fans would be arguing, well, why would you put Kieran Foran and 
instead. And I don't think Kieran Thorne's in the pinnacle of his rugby league career. I think he's definitely out the other end of that. But there's some really good firepower for that Kiwi side up front. Um, I did read that um, Nickel Cox that is coming back into the, the Kiwi side. He's been named by Maguire, so that'll be interesting for, to see what role he'll play in that fullback role. But to have Nakora and Niakori and Papali'i and Rapana, I mean, that's a really, really ominous forward pack, along with Tuffany and I think Wairia Hardway has been asked to come back. There's some sensational firepower up front, and if there's any side, Aidan, I reckon, that's going to challenge um, this Australian side, it will definitely be be this Kiwi side because of the firepower that they have up front and, and the fact that, you know, it is evident to us that so many of those players are representing other NRL clubs. What we need to try and do is get them all to either come back to New Zealand at the end of their career to let the next generation know it's worth playing for your country and worth playing for, for the Warriors and make sure that there's some affiliation with the Warriors whatsoever. But when you look at that Kiwi side, they're looking really, really strong up front. And I reckon when you go player on player, Kiwis, Kangaroos, it's the forward pack from the Kiwis that would dominate Australia at this stage. Okay, we're going to talk to Bluey McLennan, of course. The Bluey McLennan, after 11 o'clock, with his views on the makeup of the Kiwi side. Might just change tack for a second or two. Um, the NBL is underway. The Breakers uh, just beaten in a uh, fantastic, a classic uh, overtime match, but uh, couldn't get up o- uh, over the door line, uh, over the, over the uh, doorstep as such. But uh, do we look at um, the NBL in the right light? Do we, do we give it enough credit, Aidan McLaughlin? Uh, if you look at uh, a result the other day, for instance, the Adelaide 36ers beat the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and they beat them, they beat them relatively comfortable in the end, 134-124. I mean, to put it into context, that's the first time that an NBL team has actually beaten an NBA team. And I think it's the first time an NBA team has lost to a non-NBA team since I think Luka Doncic was playing for Real Madrid about six years ago. So this isn't something that happens uh, every year. Um, never mind every week. So uh, real credit to... Uh, the 36ers, um, they've gone over there. Um, it, yes, it's pre-season for the Suns, but, hey, that, that's just a great achievement. And the interesting thing now is that they go and play, uh, the uh, the 36ers go and play Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, I think it's on Saturday, uh, our time. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they back up that performance. Um, do we under do we underrate the, the competition here? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that... Surprises can happen in any sport. Um, I think it's only really when you see a sustained period of uh, this type of result that we can actually say, well, maybe there's a, a bit of a, a sea change here. But, but it's great exposure for the league. Um, and it, it's good timing as well. With the season just starting, it kind of gets a few people just to sit up in their seats a bit and just say, hey, let's just tune in and see, see what this league's got to offer. So really, really positive result for all concerned. Levina, if, if I appoint you chairperson or CEO of, say, the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union, just because it's on your, on your back doorstep, how are you going to get people to come and watch your team play? Because to me, I look at the NP, NPC and I'm almost at their point saying I'm ashamed of the level of support it gets. It has been the lifeblood of New Zealand rugby. Provincial rugby has been the lifeblood, the feeder uh, for so many years. It still is but it doesn't get any recognition anymore. I, I look at it and I think, you know, th- two weeks ago, Wellington get the Shield. 3,000 people. We haven't had it since uh, for 11 years or something. 3,000 people. I watched Waikato play Bay of Plenty at the weekend with a classic encounter. 
I look across at that stand on the far side, not a solitary soul in it. I don't get it. It's such a difficult time for rugby. I think with the rugby league finals um, on television and also the, the rugby test, I guess lots of people's interests were at an international or at a different code level. Now that that's over, you think that grassroots rugby would be generating a little bit more interest, especially in places like Tauranga where the Bay of Plenty might be playing or in Rotorua. But it's interesting, Smitty, we just had this conversation on the back of the NBL, and I think that, that trajectory has been for 10 years on the improve, and that, that was proven with, you know, the seven NBA teams that represented at the Australian League's annual pre-season tournament, which was never the case 10 years ago. And I honestly believe the interest 10, 15 years ago used to be when you had a teenage kid, and it was always a boy 15 years ago, they would play rugby, and that's what they played. And now that's not the case anymore. And I think lots of um, young women are playing rugby now, that's for sure, but lots of teenage kids are looking to other sports. And on the back of Stephen Adams, there are thousands of children aged 8 to 16 that are now playing basketball and choosing to do that over rugby. And as a result of that, that grassroots rugby feeder is suffering with bums on seats because the kids aren't playing like they used to and they don't even know who's playing. They do know who's playing in the NBA and they do know who even is playing in their NBL team, but they don't know everyone that's playing at grassroots rugby. So if I'm if I'm the um, CEO or, or general manager of Waikapu uh, or Bay of Plenty Rugby, the first thing I would do is try and get those bums on seats by generating an interest in the players. So you're either going to have a player scandal, and we're far too good for that in the Bay of Plenty, there'll be no player scandal, or you need to make sure that these players are getting out to schools and seeing kids so that you know who they are, where they're from, and where they're going. Because if there's no affiliation with those players that are running out on the pitch, I guarantee your teenage kids are not going to nag you as a parent to go along and watch. And if you're not nagged as a parent to go along and watch, you'll just go to a basketball game which is indoors with a hot dog and watch that. So let's get some of these players into the schools and let's get some admiration from the future players of rugby that are still part of the game. Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Lavina Good have been with us this morning. Thanks very much, uh, folks, for being part of it. Incidentally, uh, Lavina, did you have a win or a loss this morning in sport? Yeah, my son, my son was playing in a national hockey tournament and it got down to the last 90 seconds where the opposition Auckland scored a goal. So we went down 1-0 in the national final. Poor old Toby. Toby Good and the under-16s Tauranga team, eh? They won't be celebrating tonight. <laughs> oh, gosh, it just hasn't been a two- or three-day great patch for, the, for your household, has it? Nah, they wear, they wear blue and gold as well, mate. It's the colours, I think. And so my blood runs blue and gold. It's starting to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lavina, Lavina, Lavina! Thank you so much uh, for taking some 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 time out. Uh, and Aidan, of course, uh, catch up in the village shortly. Thank you very much uh, for your time, folks. Have uh, a terrific remainder of the week. It's ten forty-seven here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it: chicken and Macca's together, and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.